Hi, and welcome to Theology for Millennials podcast. My name is Eric Marvin, and I just happen to be a millennial, and I'm excited about discussing with you all the different theological topics and doctrines uh, over the course of this podcast. So stay tuned. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in to Theology for Millennials again. Uh, this is Eric Marvin, as always. I'm excited about today's episode and what we're going to be discussing today because the question uh, that we are asking today is, why are we here? This is a big question. And a lot of times, um, we, you know, this is the question that as I've experienced life as a pastor and as I've experienced life as a Christian, this is often often the question that comes up first, especially as a pastor, when people come and ask me, uh, questions or they have big concerns, they usually don't start with questions about the existence of God or the existence of the divine. Usually people start asking questions about themselves. Why am I here? What is my purpose? Why would God even create me? So there's usually in those questions assumptions that are already made. So for the sake of today's podcast, what I'm going to do is I'm going to let you know of three assumptions that I am currently making. Now, these assumptions are things that I would like to talk about in future podcasts because they do relate to theology, and they're things that uh, we can find evidence for these assumptions in the in the Scripture, in the Bible, and also in the world around us. But for uh, today's podcast, uh, what I'm going to ask you to do is just to understand that I'm coming from this from the perspective of I'm assuming these three ne- these next three things to be true. Here they are. Number one is that God exists. Uh, we're going to talk more about this, of course, at a later time. Typically, when you discuss theology, especially when you're talking about it systematically, you go through and you 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 kind of uh, uh, tackle that question first: is does God exist? And then you talk about everything else. Because I'm trying to approach this from from a practical standpoint of understanding that. Uh, People come with very real questions, usually about themselves first. We're going to start there first. So the assumption number one, God exists. Assumption assumption at number two that I am making today is that God created the universe. So he exists. He created the entire universe, which means that this whole everything has a purpose, has a reason. Uh, And then the assumption number three is that specifically he also created humanity. Okay, so the discussion today, the topic today, why are we here? Uh, We're going to try to, or excuse me, I'm going to try to answer that, but I'm going to be building on these three assumptions is that God exists, God created the universe, and that God specifically created humanity. So some people might be thinking, you know, if you're a, a a theological student, or, you know, maybe you've thought about this before, you might be asking, you know, why would you start with this discussion first? Why not God first? Eric, I understand that in your experience, but, but why not just follow kind of the traditional systematic way of looking at theology? And my answer for you today is that because millennials, again, I'm a millennial, so I'm speaking from that perspective. This podcast is not only for millennials, but it's from that perspective, is because millennials really just aren't asking the questions about God first. They're asking the questions about themselves, and then they're moving more towards questions uh, about God and and questions about the divine and does he exist and why are there, uh, you know, why is there good and evil in the world, things like that. But most of the time their questions are, uh, are the, the first ones that come to me are, wh- why am I even here? Like, why would I even have a purpose in this world? Uh, I think this might even lend itself to, um, you know, there's a real issue of depression currently in our culture and in our society. Uh, I'll just let you guys know this. Um, and I think I said this last week in my last introductory podcast, uh, was that my wife is a physician. She's a doctor, a family doctor. 
And if you were to ask her, like there, there is so many people in today's world that struggle with depression. And it might be tied to this, to questions like these, where we're asking more questions about ourselves maybe than we ever have before in the past. So that's one of the reasons why uh, I'm beginning the discussion about uh, about us first rather than about God. The second thing is that if, you know, if you're asked the question, if I was to show up and, you know, on your front door and ask you the question, hey, why are we here? And you started to answer my question with talk about God you would tend to lose your audience, all right? If you if you neglect to address the question in front of you, then you neglect the person in front of you because what you're basically saying to that person is, that's a great question, but really what I care about is my agenda and, and the things that I wanna tell you. And so today, I don't, I don't wanna do that. I wanna begin to address the question of why are we here? And I desire to engage in the questions that are in front of me to see the need and then to address it. So let's dive into this whole idea. Why are we here? Um, so if God exists, all right, remember assumption one, if he created the universe, assumption number two, and if he specifically created humanity, assumption number three, the next logical question is why? Why would he specifically create humanity? What is the reason? What is the purpose? There, there must be something. Did, did he just randomly put us on here? Uh, is there such a thing as intelligent design, which is you know, one of my core assumptions here? Um, if, if there's no intelligent design, were we just an accident? But if there is intelligent design, then, then why would we be here in the first place? So I believe there is a, a pretty broad, but it's a very good answer from the Christian perspective to this question. Uh, I believe that God created us, and this is going to be kind of my my main point, if you will, kind of the big idea for today's episode. I believe that God created us for his own praise and his own glory. You can find that in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 6 through 7. I actually have a Bible open here next to me. You might hear me flip through some pages, uh, but I'm going to actually turn to the book of Isaiah and I'm in chapter 43, and I'm going to read to you chapter 43, verses 6 and 7. This is what it says. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring, and this is this is God speaking here, bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone called by my name and created for my glory. I have formed him, indeed, I have made him. Verse 7 really is that key point. Everyone called by my name and created for my glory. I think that's that's really huge. Now, we know that uh, the prophet Isaiah is specifically talking to the Israelites. Um, we know that, that that's the context of this, but I believe that there is a, a, a bigger truth here that we can mine from these passages, which is that we are created for his praise and his glory. I think we can actually go back and begin to look at the beginning of the Bible back in Genesis and actually see this in a, in a much broader sense uh, that, that it's not just it's not just a message for Israel, God's God's people, who who you know Isaiah was talking to at the time, but it really is for all humanity. So, before we get into uh, kind of looking in and digging into Genesis and kind of uh, finding this answer there, I want to ask you a question. Really, I want to use an illustration first. Okay, let's let's use an illustration. Think about this: all throughout history, humanity has built idols. 
right? Like, like you go all the way back to the farthest reaches of history that we can possibly learn about right now. Uh, the Egyptians, uh, maybe somewhere in Mesopotamia, we can find, you know, ruins, definitely in the Middle East, there's ruins uh, from thousands and thousands of years ago. What we know is, in a very general sense, man or humanity has been building idols for as long as we can remember. Now, basically, why, why would humanity do that, right? Like, what, what is an actual idol for? What is the purpose of an idol? Well, human idols are built because that people group has deemed something worthy of worship and praise. Okay, let me, let me repeat that again. A specific people group, the reason we have idols in the world is because a specific people group has deemed that item, that thing, that animal, that person, whatever that thing is, has deemed it worthy of praise. Therefore, we need to have something that reflects it or represents it. So human idols, you know, however, th these things always fall short, right? There's nothing actually worthy of our praise out there, uh, whether it's, you know, cats in ancient Egypt or the the sun god, or um, I, I know if you look back into, uh, you know, the the Israel-Palestine area, they worshipped goats and cows and, and things like that, right? And so they deem these things worthy of, of worship and praise, and they build something that represents it. Well, from the Christian perspective, what what, Christi what Christians believe is that there is actually one who is worthy of praise and glory and honor. And God, if we think about this, God, if he is all-powerful and all-knowing and all-sufficient, if he is everything that he claims to be, then God is worthy of true praise, worship, and glory. Therefore, I believe it is really, it is necessary and it is it is good of him to do this, to bring himself glory and praise. In infinity past, before anything was ever uh, built or created or made, before any of that, I believe God knew that he was worthy of praise and glory. Not in a selfish sort of way, not in a self-serving sort of way. He didn't need it because I believe he is self-sufficient, but it was good for him to share in his glory, to share his glory uh, with, with something to, you know, in order to represent himself so that we could praise and we could honor him. Uh, we're going to turn to the New Testament real quick, and I want to show you this in Ephesians, right? In the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 1, we're going to look uh, at verses 11 through 14. So this is the Apostle Paul. Uh, who a lot of people really like Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul. We get a lot of theology from him. But in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 to 14, it says this, In him we were also made by, uh, also made his inheritance, predestined according to the purpose of the one who works out everything in agreement with the decision of his will, so that we who had already put our hope in the Messiah might bring praise to his glory. In him you also... When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in him, when you believed, were sealed with the promise, Holy Spirit. He is the down payment of our inheritance for the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. He says that twice, that phrase, to the praise of his glory. And I believe that that is our, that is our purpose. Have you ever thought of it this way? Th think about this just for a second. What if God created an entire universe out of nothing, and then filled it with billions, and I'm using air quotations here. I know you can't see me, but trust me, I'm doing air quotations with my fingers right now. He filled it with billions of 
idols representing himself. Think about that for a second. He created a universe, filled it with billions of representations of who he is to bring him honor and glory because he is the only one who deserves it. Again, it's all based on he exists, he created the universe, and he created humanity with a specific purpose to bring him honor and to bring him glory. And he filled the entire universe with little reflections of himself. Now, this is where we're going to begin to dive in into, into Genesis, which I'm really excited about because Genesis is a really uh, hotly debated uh, book of the Bible. It is something that a lot of scholars have spent a lot of time uh, dissecting and trying to uh, find truth in it and trying to figure out what it means. And I don't pretend to be an expert in the book of Genesis at all, uh, but we are going to look at it. And what we're going to try to do is see it for what it is. So my intention is to begin to try to understand what the original author originally meant when he originally wrote the book. That is, that's actually what I do with all of scripture. And I think that's actually good practice for everyone to do with scripture. Um, so we're going to look at Genesis and we're going to see if it addresses this question of why, why are we here? So the cool thing about Genesis is um, there are basically two accounts. It seems like there's two accounts of creation, but there's actually only one. In chapter one, there's a general idea of, uh, of, the, of the creation narrative, right? And it's kind of done in a systematic way. Day one, this happened. Day two, this. Day three, this. Day four, and, and on and on and on. And he is, uh, the, the author is trying to, in a very general sense, explain that God systematically and uh, very effectively created everything in order, right? That there was an order to all of it. Uh, then when you go into Genesis chapter two, he almost zooms in on one specific part of the creation. And I believe it's the most important part of creation. And that is when he creates us. Okay. So before we dive in, think about this next question. If you had to create an idol of yourself for the world to see, think about this and ask yourself this, how much time, energy, and effort would you put into creating that idol? Okay. So if you had to represent yourself to the entire world, but you weren't allowed to actually show your actual self. You could only represent yourself by creating an idol of yourself or a representation of yourself. How much time and energy and effort would you put into that reflection of you? I would, I, I'm going to safely assume that pretty much all of us would put in maybe years of work into making sure that we have the absolute perfect representation of ourself. Now, that's exactly what God is doing in Genesis chapter 2. He is going to be creating uh, something in the image of himself to represent himself to all of creation. And that's a really cool thing to think about. So if we look in Genesis chapter 2, and if we go to verse 7, this is what Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 says. It's really cool. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. Now, I want you to understand that that word, that Hebrew word for formed, I'm not going to try to pronounce the actual Hebrew word because I would butcher it, but it, it's the same word used when talking about a potter who is shaping clay. Okay, it's the same kind of idea. It's, it's the idea that uh, a potter who is a, a master craftsman, right, is taking something and, and molding it and shaping it with his hands. 
It's, it's the idea that the, whoever the creator is had to get dirty. Okay. That, that's the point to this. It's not just a, uh, he spoke it into existence and all of a sudden it was, it's, it's this, it's giving you this message, uh, this underlying tone of Jesus got down into the, into the dirt, right? And he formed us with his very hands that he spent time, that he was meticulous, that he was, that he really spent a, a ton of energy into and thought into putting this together. Okay. It's the same word when talking about a potter shaping a piece of clay into something useful. Uh, the word dust there, we tend to think of when we think of dust, we, we think of just kind of, you know, something kind of wispy, just kind of floating through the air. You know, it makes us cough and it can get into our lungs. But the word is also translated earth or dirt or mud. So it's not just the the, the floaty stuff, you know, that that's, you know, fl- floating around your attic uh, currently. It's, it's really not that. It's more talking about the dirt of the earth. He formed it. And then there's a phrase in there at the end that says, that he breathed into him the breath of life. This is what that literally means. It literally means those words that God inflated us with his spirit. That that's what that's what the phrase means. So think about this image for a second, okay? God gets down into the dirt and he meticulously and purposely forms us out of the clay, right? Puts us together. Every intricate detail. I like to think sometimes of that God, you know, used his own fingernail to carve every single detail into who we are, uh, into our into our physical appearance, into our emotional appearance, and into our spiritual uh, appearance. He he made every single detail intimately, and then he literally inflated this whole thing with his spirit. That is a powerful, powerful image of how God created us. And then look about this. So that's, he's talking about mankind, right? He's talking about all of humanity. This is how he created man or Adam is, is the Hebrew word, which uh, we believe his name was Adam, the first man. Uh, but that also is the representation of all humanity is, is this right here. Then if we keep going in Genesis chapter two, verse 21, check this out. This is a really cool, uh, cool verse. In Genesis chapter two, verse 21 it says, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he uh, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. And this is what he made woman of. Okay, now, this is probably one of the most misunderstood passages in all of Scripture. And I can't tell you how many times I have heard some dude take this out of context. What, what we tend to look at this verb and we tend to just automatically take it at complete face value, right? That here's a dude, here's a naked dude, uh, uh, looking around and all the animals have partners, uh, which in a very real sense, if we're honest about what's happening, he's basically seeing all the animals procreate and going, uh, I can't do that with any of you all and I ain't got nothing, I, no, nothing's going to work for me here. God, is there some way you can fix this, right? So <laughs> that's that's basically kind of what's happening. And we also we often tend to think of this that God caused him to sleep, he fell asleep, took out a tiny little rib and created woman out of it. Uh, I've even heard things as far as people trying to prove, well, why do we know, you know, they'll say, well, we know that God exists because men, you know, men have one less rib than women. That is so false. My wife, who's a doctor, could tell you that's absolutely false. Men right now have the same amount of ribs as women, I, or I don't even know the count, but it doesn't matter. None of that is true because here's what the word actually means. The word there for rib, the better translation of that word is side or half. 
So think about it this way. God created humanity. God created Adam, right? This, this, this being, this representation of himself. And, and it kind of gives you this idea because I believe that men and women are created in the image of God. Now, we tend to only think of God as masculine. But if women, think about this, if women are created in the image of God, which I believe no one no one in modern day Christianity, evangelicalism is going to argue that, no one will, then where did femininity come from? If God is only masculine, then where did femininity come from? So think about this. God is masculine and feminine. Both of those traits come from him. Both of those are part of his image. So what if he did this? What if he created something and then that was a representation of himself, split it in half, right? Split it 50-50 and then brought it back together in, in, a, in a unison, right? In, in harmony, brought it back into a relationship as 100% again. Masculinity and femininity, the image of God back. To, this, this is where we get this this image of marriage. I, I think this is such a beautiful picture to think about how God took something that was 100%, split it in half, and brought it back together again to be in 100% in a relationship. Man and woman, masculine, feminine, uh, fulfilling different roles, but of equal importance and value, just perfectly together in a relationship with one another. I mean, that is absolutely beautiful. That man is not greater than woman, nor is woman greater than man, but we are equal in God's eyes. We, we are two different sides of the same coin, essentially, and we represent who God is. And this is the, and, and again, I'm using air quotations here. This is the idol that God has created to represent. This is the, the reflection of himself, his image that he has created, meticulously created out of the dirt and inflated it with his spirit to represent himself to all of creation. Holy smokes. Wow. I, I mean, that I don't know about you guys who are listening here, but that blows my mind. It really does. Because here's the next question. I think the next logical question is this. So we asked the question at the top, why are we here? We use this, the, you know, based the answer of this question on three assumptions that he, that God exists, that he created the universe, that he specifically created humanity. And we, we found the answer of we were created to bring him glory, honor, and praise. So what does this mean for me? How do we actually do that? How do we actually praise him, glorify him, and honor him uh, in this way? I believe that we do that simply by existing. I know, that's crazy, right? Probably weren't thinking that that was going to be my answer. Typically, we tend, we tend to think that the answer should be, well, we need to live out certain values or principles, or that we need to do certain things or live up to certain standards. I don't think any of that is true. I think we can glorify him simply by existing. We are a reflection of him simply by being alive. <laughs> and that is a beautiful picture. Now, you might be sitting there thinking to yourself, Eric, I've been existing for years and I don't feel like I am fulfilling any sort of higher calling or purpose. In fact, I feel like existing is the worst possible thing. I feel like existing doesn't mean anything. I feel like just simply existing is is a drag and it's depressing and it's no fun. And I, I really don't even know why I was put on this earth. And, and you telling me that is not fixing anything. 
let me let me just speak to you real quick. I completely understand. And I think I know the reason why. And the reason is because, and later on we're going to talk about this, is that man chose to rebel against God. And there is something called original sin, right? That Adam and Eve uh, is what he named his wife, that they sinned against God, they rebelled against him, they chose not to follow him. And as a result, we now have this broken relationship with him, which means our purpose is, is skewed and it's all whacked up, right? Because humans now, for, for the rest of, of however long we're here, we are depraved and we are, we, we are lost and we are no longer in, in good standing with God. So this is a really hard topic. What, what, I am, what I just tried to explain is what I believe was God's original intention. It was his original purpose, right? He originally wanted us to be a reflection of him, to live in a perfect relationship, male and female together, and to be an unbelievable reflection of who he is simply by existing on this earth, by fulfilling, and we would fulfill our purpose by doing that by just reflecting who he is and his image. This is what I actually believe in today's modern church, what we are called to do again. This is our highest calling, right? As Jesus followers, as Christians, as Christ followers, we are called to represent our creator and our king. And we can do that not by living up to specific standards. We can do that by letting that light shine in us. You see, I'm going to give you a little bit of an ending to the story here, and this is where I'm going to get a little bit uh, preachy, and I apologize if I sound preachy, but I hope this is encouraging. You see, that relationship might have been broken, and that purpose might no longer be fulfilled, and simply existing might be the crappiest thing you could possibly think of right now. But Jesus covered all of it when he died on the cross and rose again from the dead. He covered all of it. He is restoring all of creation back to what it was originally intended to be. And I believe one day we will begin to live again uh, in eternal life in perfect harmony with our creator. And this, this original purpose, this original intention, this original design, it'll be whole again. Um, and I truly believe that. So I hope that encourages you. I know I gave away a little bit of the ending there. Uh, those are some things we're going to talk more about. I don't want to just preach that at you because here's the thing. Everything I say on this podcast, I hope that you do. I hope that you don't take my word for it, right? I hope that you go and research and that hopefully something I said has sparked an interest in you to where you can go out, uh, research this, read, read the Bible, read the context, find some, uh, some uh, commentaries or something to where you can begin to understand and see other people's opinions. All right. That, that is my hope for this whole channel is that I would uh, uh, encourage everyone who's listening to begin to develop their own theology and what they know about God, okay? Uh, because we want to base all of it on evidence and data and what we know to be true and what we know to be absolute, and we are not trying to base any of this on opinion. So remember, today, uh, why do we exist? That's the big question. I made the assumptions of God exists. He created the universe. He created humanity. The answer, I believe, to the question is why are we here is, is that we exist to bring glory, honor, and praise to our Creator, and that we originally fulfilled that uh, purpose simply by existing, but is because of our sin and our fall and our rebellion that that purpose is no longer being lived out. 
and we are searching for something else. We are searching for something bigger to fill that gaping hole in our life. And I believe that that is Jesus Christ, and that is something we're going to talk about later on. Okay, next time what we're actually going to discuss is we are going to discuss exactly that, the fall of man. Okay, we're going to keep going through the book of Genesis. Uh, We're going to talk about why man is depraved and why he and she and uh, all of us are sinful and uh, we desperately need help. So we're going to talk about that next time. And I hope uh, that you come back and choose to tune in again to Theology for Millennials. 